Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, Grand Grand Prix. It had all the promise of a fantastic finish, and it wasn't. I got my prediction right. Not about the winner. Who got that right? Who was that? It was me. Wild guess. I did predict one thing. Ferrari had the unmistakable ability to mess it up again. Well, yeah. You've been bright about that all season. Well, hey, this is John Massingo. That was Jonathan Green. Les Kaiser in studio with us as normal. But we have a guest in studio, very excited to have Dave O'Neill, the former team manager for Haas F1. Dave, you have no idea how excited we are to have you because we've been talking about Haas F1 all season. And to have someone who uh, was involved at such a high level is just so exciting to have you. And great for you to be here. Thank you. Nice to be here. Is it, is it weird? Watching Formula One and sort of, sort of playing a role where you know you, you are a, th- a few thousand miles away when you've been so close to it. Yeah, it's um, it's quite surreal, really. Yeah, when you, you sit there and watch it. Um, you kind of sit there wondering what it what it feels like on the pit wall, you know, with the weather and mm-hmm. um, bits and pieces like that. So, but it's also a different zone you get into it when you're sitting and watching on the sofa as well. Yeah, yeah so. true. We're all, we're all armchair directors. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about the race here. So Leclerc started off good, and then, of course, Verstappen and Hamilton went at it side-by-side into turn one, and uh, and really no, neither one could make it, and Verstappen went out in the grass and uh, and ended up, you know, messing up his entire race eventually. So, uh, but uh, any any thoughts, guys, about the race, you know, from the beginning on? Yeah, I mean, uh, it could have been curtains at, at turn one, as it often often can be in Mexico. So I was glad everybody got through. Uh, and even though we had that virtual safety car for a few seconds, shame to see Verstappen get that puncture. It really was because there's no question that it would have been a very different race had he been um, on full song. And also Albon, I was really hoping that Albon yeah. would get on the podium. Um, you know. Uh, it is what it is. Um, like I said, I still can't figure out or I, I just can't work out why Ferrari had a really good car, two really good drivers, and they still can't pull it off. Yeah, well, if you missed the the final standings, let's see. It's Hamilton, Vettel, Botas, Leclerc, Albon, Verstappen in sixth, Perez in seventh. Good uh, result. Ricard- yeah, Ricardo, Kvyat, Gasly, Hulkenberg in 11th, then Stroll, signs. Giovinazzi, Magnussen, Russell, Grosjean, and then Kubica, and then Raikkonen, and Norris did not finish the race. Too bad for Norris. Yeah, I felt for him. It's been a good season for him. A pit um, stop, you know. I think there's a – I think people forget where Norris came from. When you see things like today, it it doesn't show his history and how he earned his spot there, and I feel bad for him on that reason. 
Yeah, he hasn't had many big breaks, actually. He's driven really well, but he hasn't had many, many good breaks this year. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Dave. I wanted be, the one of the big things in the race was the pit stops, including Lando Norris's problems, and there were several in there. And you, know, you talked a little bit about this in the pre-show, but all the effort and all the work that goes into this, and then you have those mistakes, and that can be race-ending. I mean, it's massive. Yeah, I, I mean, it's unfortunate because you know no one needs, no one really wants to do a, a, a bad stop. Um, and you you win and lose as a team. So um, I haven't looked at them closely, but I think on the Sauber one, um, the guy in the right rear, um, as he was throwing the wheel on, his mm. his right knee hit. He uses his right knee to guide the wheel on quickly, um, but I think he hit it too hard and it turned the wheel on. Right. Um, and then from that, the the guy with the gun couldn't get the nut the nuts um, nut spinning on the axle. So the the nuts are actually in the wheels. So he had to get the socket on the nut first and chase it in. And they had, they kind of, you know, the guys have a rhythm doing it. So if it does go off centre, um, you have to readjust and then go back on. And by the time they've done that, it's a second down the road. So, you know, you're sort of 25% off on your on your speeds for your stop. Yeah. Well, isn't the, the uh, green light tied to the torque setting of the – gun or some way relaying information isn't there some connection in that manner there is yeah um some of the teams have it rigged up differently than in in the ones that i've i've been involved in you have um the axle set so front axle rear axle will get a signal whether it's a green light or um a bleep in the ear um and then once they've heard that or seen it that means that the, the nut has achieved its torque on the on the axle on the wheel and then from that point, the jacks are then dumped. So it's either the front or the rear. Generally speaking, it's normally the front that's finished quicker because the wheels are a little bit lighter. So. Well, so could, in that case, you're talking about uh, the uh, Alpha car. So could it have been where the, the nut went on maybe cross-thread and hit its maximum torque, even though it wasn't on right? Or is that even possible in those? Well, I think that one in particular, the car the car was dropped on the ground and the wheel, the wheel popped off, I think, from memory. Um, yeah, it so, did. So he didn't actually get to get any engagement on the the nut to the to the axle. Um, so I think that's what happened in that case. And then the other one, which was Norris's, um, I think that one was stripped. I saw sparks. You know, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's only a guess from my experience, but from seeing the sparks, um, it obviously achieved its torque. I would have said with the green light. Um, and then the, um, you know, as he as he went out, the wheel the wheel then came off because the safety. Uh, the safety clips weren't on. So. Well, if you uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483. Uh, great opportunity to ask someone who's been inside of F1 a question, Mr. Dave O'Neill. Dave, I heard you say Sauber in that. Sauber <laughs> <laughs> Romero? Sauber <laughs> Romero? Yeah. Is that it? Or, okay. um, yeah. Alpha Terry. Alpha Larry. That's a name we just, yeah. I think they just use a whiteboard nowadays to write that team name down. But that was something that Crofty was talking about. Alpha Toro, Alpha Tori is going to be uh, Toro Rosso's name as of next year. Yeah. Um, so we've got Alpha Romeo and Alpha Tori, and um, I can't keep up. Alpha Car. Yeah. <laughs> Half a car dish in. Car, yeah. I remember right. <laughs> That's a way back That's inside way back. joke, Les Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. so looking at the race today, thinking about all the altitude and all the things we talk about, temperature management and all that, 
Dave, do you think that that played into as much as as we anticipated and and uh, had an effect on the outcome like we thought? Um, I, I think possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what the temperatures are going to do during the race. You can guess, um, and if they do span two or three or five degrees difference, um, that they, they will, you know, they will have an effect on the car. So they have to make their cooling decision um, on Saturday. So you have to run what you brung from that point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think all in all, um, it's whoever got it right. And I think today, um, Mercedes got it right for sure. So. Let me ask you a question about Austin. Um, what are the big parameters? I mean, as soon as you leave Mexico, you're on the plane the night, the next night or whatever. So what, what are the things you're dealing with when Austin? Because I'm thinking that we're going to be cooler than we were last year, uh, slightly later. Um, but Austin can be, you know, it's four seasons in one day. Um, obviously we're back at sea level, but what, what are the main factors you think about for Austin? Yeah. I mean, you're right. It does, it does change quite a lot here in, in Austin, like you say, the four seasons in one day. <laughs> um, the, one of the main things is, um, probably the, the circuit, how, how bumpy it's got and, mm. um, how bumpy it's got over the last year from the, yeah. from the last time it was um, we noticed it, it to Trans Am big time really yeah. Well, yeah oh you can see the cars you can see the suspension really dig right Coming we actually turn, had a yeah wander around didn't we right, yeah between one and two it's pretty noticeable but uh, but you know like we we had some we played some interviews and we played some more with Magnuson and Grosjean they kind of take it in stride it's like hey uh, you know it's the character of that track it's not the end of the world it's the same for everyone what same, do you do, yeah. what would you do different to accommodate um, the bumps and things. I mean, there, what kind of a suspension adjustments are there for that? You, you probably wouldn't do too much of that because the corners are all the same. But what you'd have to do is raise the car slightly. Hmm. And then mm -hmm. with doing that, you're going to lose aero. Like so, right. um, yeah, I mean, you just have to deal with it and try and get as low as possible. Um, and then, you know, make sure the drivers can deal with it from, from that point. I mean, so, do you, do you, I mean, you can't really, but. You can't really. I was going to say, on a heavy fuel load, do you avoid the bumps until the car gets lighter? Um, <laughs> that's a reasonable question. Yeah, yeah, or at least a major bump. Well, I think yeah. I mean, the braking then comes into play as right. well. So you you yeah. know maybe have to brake a little bit earlier just to so you don't yeah. um, um, touch the bottom, which mm -hmm. which lifts all the wheels off the ground. So um, yeah, yeah. The, the, this. I mean, the the bumps are one thing, um, and the weather. Weather's the other thing is just trying to get the consistency and the tire temperatures is what all the teams will be playing at straight away. I think yeah. this could be the coolest race we've had. And I mean, where we're what, mid 60s at the moment today. It's supposed to be 66 the high next Sunday. But yeah, yeah you're well, right. We're usually in mid 70s, is what yeah. I'm thinking about. And we've had races in the 90s. But I, I, you know, this is to me, I'm predicting that it could well be the coolest race that Austin's mm -hmm. had. Yeah, going back to the bumps that are in the track, if you could have seen, we were here when they were building the track and watched how much soil they dug out. Oh, the, yeah. Because all you have to do is go around the circuit and see those roads. You can barely drive some of the roads. The The soil out there is horrible. horrible. Well, well, they actually yeah. flew, well, they actually uh, barged uh, um, soil in or, or, or brought it, truckloads of it. Yeah, trucked uh, it in. From, from Arkansas, it. yeah. And they went about eight feet deep. Is that where the best soil is from, is Arkansas? Well, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> My For what? No, but they dug down. It was like 15 feet. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that video of Coulthard uh, going around the flags in the Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the adverts that Red Bull did. Yeah. Coulthard, and you could see then uh, just how, how low they'd gone. But, um, yeah, it was actually one of the local uh, construction companies um, that did, it, did, did a lot of the, the, the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Uh, McNeil's company. McKenzie's. Yeah, McKenzie, excuse me, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, um, but um, it, it's like John says, it, it, it's it's a very wavy uh, and, uh, and it's been through a lot of weather. I think the weather has been the major factor for, for Coda. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be bumpy, folks. Uh, but like you said, it's the same for everyone. Hey, big story from today is that Hamilton did not win the championship. Yay! So I Hamilton, don't think he'll mind. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'll mind winning it at Austin again. How many times has he won it here? So at least twice, maybe, wait, maybe three times. We should all know that. That's we ridiculous. should know that, shouldn't we? In terms of titles, yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah, he likes wearing the, the Stetson that's that's here. So mm-hmm. Yeah, the, oh, you remember the first year he asked Mario Andretti for his? Mario said no. <laughs> Turned him away. <laughs> no, sir, that's my, that's my cowboy <laughs> yeah. hat. And uh, I think it was the year after that. They so what about Hamilton's drive today? What do you guys think? Because, you know, he had to manage the tires. I, we, we were waiting. Everyone, all the commentators, everybody was saying, it's going to crash. The tires are going to fall off with five laps to go, and, and anybody within the top six are going to battle for it out. And then just Okay, but we have seen that out of Hamilton so many times that he takes tires and pushes them a few laps beyond what anybody ever said was possible, and he still maintains. I mean, I'm sure he was clinching and had those sphincter moments, <laughs> Colin Edwards style. Is that a technical term? From Colin Edwards, it is, yes. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there were those slippery times, but I don't know how there is such a drastic difference in what he's capable of doing against Valtteri essentially in the same car. I, th- I mean, he he had the fisty cuffs at the beginning with Verstappen on down into turn one, yeah. which he was lucky nothing uh, nothing got damaged on the, yeah. on the rubber yeah. then. But I think he's just, um, you know, he doesn't put as much energy in. He's just, um, he knows exactly what he's got to do. Um, and I think a lot of it's for show, you know, when he's um, getting excited on the radio. He knows, I think so, He too. knows what he's doing. Yeah, you know? he. I think he yeah. plays to the audience. Yeah. And also the other thing is, you know, another another sort of point to think about is with uh, Valtteri today, was his leg hurting from the crash yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Um, was he comfortable in the car? Was the car exactly how it was yesterday in qualifying? That would have been a rush job overnight, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 And the car looked pretty messed up. Yeah. Pretty messed up, and I don't think they changed the chassis, but the um, they have the curfew times, which would have been about you know a couple of hours after the mm. after the uh, qualifying session. So they had quite a bit of work to get done to get the car finished. So the as time, yeah, as time. we watched and we saw Valtteri walk into the grid, you could see in his left pants leg he had some type of uh, medical wrap or something under his pants around his knee area. And so we had read where there were some comments that he was sore after that mm. hit yesterday. Yeah, well, talk about that curfew. What are the curfew hours? So the, um, they've changed um, this year, so I'd have to get my uh, mm. Bible back out again. But, <laughs> but, but basically, after qualifying, you, um, you'd have four hours from, four. from the time the, the clock stopped. Um, and the Saturday curfew, you basically the cars have to be on the stands with the car covers on. Um, and you can't do any work to the cars. Whereas the other two days where the curfew starts, um, everyone has to be out of the, the uh, facility. So everyone has to bleeped out. Um, so Saturday night, sponsors can come in. You can have clean meals, etc. cetera. Um, but no work to be done on the car. And the other two days, everyone has to be out. Otherwise, you, uh, you, 
face the penalty. And is that to make sure that the people are getting rest and people are, and, and, and you know, like, like you say, you can't have a team just working on, around the clock just to, you know, get the advantage? Yeah, it started about 2010, I think, when one of the wheels came off one of the cars and it was attributed to um, someone working all night. Yeah. Um, hmm. So they put that in. It's not a bad thing. It's also good for cost cut as well. You know, um, you can't, you have to stop working. So uh, <laughs> yeah. you can't fit any more new bits to the car. I want to ask budget questions later. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take our first break and we'll continue the discussion on the Mexican Grand Prix. And then we're going to talk a lot about Austin because we're now the next race on the calendar. Cool on the gang. Less than a week. That's right. Cool on the gang on Sunday night. Back after these messages. They want to get out. Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Talk 13.7. The right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. Welcome back to the show. That was Mario Andretti bringing us back. Yeah, he doesn't have any curfews. Yeah. He'll be there at Pink and Imagine Dragons and cooling the gang. Who knows? Maybe he'll uh, jump in for the DJ and assist. He <laughs> apparently did that at one of the uh, 
IndyCar races. He's got the rings. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he he's got the bling. Has the bling. <laughs> the bling. There you go. Hey, give us a call if you want to join the show and uh, ask if you want to call and ask Dave O'Neill a question. He knows a little bit about Formula One. Five one two. Six four three. You're making him five, nervous now. Four, <laughs> Put him on the spot. We five one two six four three five four. I can't get the phone number. You two guys, can y'all? Huh? <laughs> what? Five one two six four three five four eight. Yeah. Okay. Their mics are off. Five one two six four three five four eight three. Thank you, producer. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I was just gonna say, you know, who you really. Are. Finally, the show I really wanted with their microphones off. <laughs> a quiet deal has been hey done guys, here, I think, somewhere. I, I, I want to... Uh, hey, wait wanna... a minute. No, I'm going to call out who actually got the prediction right. Oh, that's a good point. Our pre-show, pre-race yeah. caller. Aces, buddy, you got it. He called it, didn't he? Going to celebrate Coda style, he says. Yeah, I'm watching his message coming in. Yeah, he's hey, well done, Russell coming in, call us up. Tell us where you're going to sit. Tell us what you're going to do, where you're going to go, what parties or whatever. Yeah, and by the way, uh, for all of you out there, uh, when we actually get to the party weekend, as it were, we'll be doing the big screen coverage. So send us, uh, yeah. you know, text in some photos where you're sitting. Um, we'll give you a shout out. Uh, we've had some fun stuff. We've had oh, a proposal yeah. uh, in, in <laughs> uh, races gone by. We had, didn't we? we but she, she did. told she you said, no, yes. didn't she? No. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. <laughs> but we've had a we've had a few fun things uh, on the big screen. So yeah, it's uh, it's all part of the party atmosphere on Hass Hill. Yeah, we'll be so we'll be on the microphones out there. We'll also be doing our pre-race show as normal and post-race show, and a local uh, play-by-play on local radio. So there you go. Uh, who's doing all this? How many of us are there? There's it's about 48, 48, well, 50 people. Yeah, six of the voices in my head will be working. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to play an interview we did a couple days ago with Kevin Magnuson. We played a little bit of it in the pre-show, and I want to pick up where we left off because Kevin Magnuson, he's on the Haas F1 team. Let's hear from Kevin. The Roman, and obviously we've been reading what Gunter says and listening on Sky, and we know you've been struggling um, with the tires and so on, and, and you're looking almost towards next year. How important was it for you as a driver to, to keep the consistency? I was really impressed with... Uh, Gene Hass's decision to keep both of you on board because you know uh, that when teams aren't having the success that they want or from the year before, that they t- tend to start making changes, uh, sometimes drastic. But I really, I- I'm, I'm glad for you that we were able, as the American team, to keep the consistency. How important is that to you and the Haas team? Yeah, it's important. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I had a contract already, so it's not that... Uh, I've been pretty uh, easy over this last few months because uh, I, I had my contract sorted for next year, already last year. So mm-hmm. it's not been so um, stressful for me, but obviously this season has been a bit uh, disappointing, um, to be honest. And But then you look at it and, and, you know, we are such a small team compared to all these other teams in Formula 1. Mm-hmm. And in the first year, they scored points. They were... They scored, I think, 29 points or something like that. And, um, you know, that's really impressive in the first year. And then from there, they've just been building. Every year has been a step forward. And this year is the first year that we actually take a step back. And I think, you know, obviously it's hard to look into the future and we can't promise anything. But I, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, sure that we will take a, a big step forward next year. And we'll just, you know, continue to build on what we have. It's only natural that we're gonna you know, take it takes two 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 steps forward and one back mm-hmm. once in a while. Um so I'm not too worried. I think this year has been a little bit a little bit tough, but you know, I'm 
I'm very certain we'll uh, come back stronger next year. So, Kevin, what about the you know early years when you guys first started? We talked about the model, the model of using a lot of Ferrari components and and uh, and the way that was so successful to start. But what about moving forward? Everything from the model itself to the partnership with Ferrari, and, and I know it's a big question, but uh, but you know, I, I, and does that play into to the the lack of success this year at all? Well, I think you know it's easy. So I guess you know I think it's easy to to get all these parts from from Ferrari and then and then not worry about it. You know, you try and build the car around those. Uh, Parts and and then you know, I think it's it's uh, it's important to to keep looking into the details and really you know um, try and try and and uh, and make a car that's really in, in harmony from from you know all, all the way through the car. Uh, and and when you buy half the car, it can be difficult to get the you know all, everything to 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 match up. Um, whereas when you build everything from scratch, I think. Uh, you know that that has some some difficulties as well, but I think it's it's a strong it's a strong point of our team that we that we get half of the car directly from Ferrari and that we can you know with our small team just focus on 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 a small area on the car and then you know the, the whole communication and the development process is a little bit more clean and kind of uh, easy when you have a, a smaller group working together. It can be really tricky with these big teams when you have so many different departments in in, in the company in, in the team. Trying to get them all to work together can can also be a big challenge. But you know, there's there's strengths and weaknesses with 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 everything, I guess. And and this year we've just kind of found the the weaknesses, which is also positive, I guess, because you learn from it and you 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 know you become stronger and you avoid these um, you know issues in the future. As always, Kevin's. I always find it fascinating listening both to Roman and uh, Kevin. They're very, um, they're refreshing actually. Both as drivers when they talk. I mean, it's been a rotten season, and we all know that. They, they, they do the open points. up a little more, don't they? But they, yeah, but they're pretty honest. And I, yeah. I like what Kevin was saying there about, you know, he, he said half the car. But I mean, Dave, you know, tell us because it's been a, a, a sort of a point of controversy. But how much input did you receive or did you work with Ferrari? Um, Because I think people are kind of a bit skewed on that, aren't they? Yeah, um, I think it depends how you interpret it. But from the rules, we bought what we could from Ferrari, Mm -hmm. um, which was um, sort of mainly no different than Williams or the others would buy from their um, manufacturers. But we, you know, we we bought the PU, the power unit, um, the gearbox, the battery, some of the parts of the suspension, steering wheel, etc. So all the bits that um, you, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to buy those if you wanted to get involved. Any new team coming in. Once you've decided it, on that unit, on the power unit, you've kind of you got to go there. One, yeah, exactly. Once you've decided on that, but also, um, you know, it depends how much you want to spend when you come into it. And there's no way, you know, I mean, you can you can think what you like, but unless you have the the money, Ferrari, Red Bull, and um, um, the the others have you you have no chance of coming in and and doing anything. You know, Toyota spent high, a billion, and they struggle to do anything sure. with it. So we've um, got a question from the audience that is approaching this. Brad Gorman out of Iowa. What's a typical major sponsorship deal in F one in terms of years? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting one. Like Rich Energy, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Just that's to, that's just written in chalk. To sit that yeah. nicely on one. That was months, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you tend to like to build the relationship with any sponsor that comes in, you know, so you're looking at a multi-year deal. Um, just because you want the relationship there. And if they're new into the sport, you want to give them a good time. Um, and then there's parts parts of the business that they um, they can do B2B with, um, you know, factory tours, mm. bringing the clients to the races, et cetera. So there's ways to expose their, their brand in, in different ways um, and be, become sort of... Um, you know, together together on those sort of things. Depends what so, the brand is as well. So when you guys were, when Gene Haas and all of you were, were going to Ferrari and were pulled out the, the order sheet, like you would go to the dealership and you're picking off the, the engine and everything, uh, was was there some, did they take them 100% seriously or were they just thinking, okay, we're going to take some money from these guys for a few years? Or did you think that they took you seriously? I mean, Ferrari are a professional outfit, so you know anyone that comes to the door, they treat them with respect and yeah. um, go through it. So um, I'm sure they do, did their uh, due diligence on on where where the questions were coming from, um, but the relationship got stronger and stronger day by day, um, point by point, too, point probably. by points. Yeah. Um, and did, yeah, that what about now with yeah. Alfa Romeo? Is that has that kind of um, mm. now that Good effectively question. Alfa Romeo is a junior team? Um, how does that affect Haas? Um, I I don't think too much at mm. all because it, they're two completely separate deals, right. um, and um, you know the only thing that Alfa Romeo bring to the party for for that team um would be the engine the gearbox and the battery so all right the, yeah you're the guy to answer this question we asked before okay so what is haas in this situation what does a team get when they get the power plant from the manufacturer does it come with engine management does it come with the programming all of that or is it uh, you know here's the hardware you figure it out from here how is that handled um hmm. Probably the latter of what you said, it comes with everything um, and also the people to run it as well. So hmm. you, you have um, a certain amount of um, of staff from the, the Ferrari side that will come, you know, they run the gearbox, the engine, the battery. There's massive safety procedures that are required for the um, for the battery um, sure. in shipping, fitting it, mm -hmm. using it, et cetera. Um, turnkey. Turnkey, yeah. Um, there you go. Which again, well, you wouldn't want to learn, you know. You, you just huh, want to, right? Right. You couldn't want, even imagine. Well, one, one last point, Dave. You're not with Haas anymore, right? Correct. Yeah. So you can answer this question. <laughs> that's, that's Maybe sweet. see what it is. Yeah. It was quiet. How in the much data? How much data <laughs> is shared back and forth with Haas people? You have Ferrari people working on the Haas power plant huh. provided by Ferrari, but how much does Haas know what's going on in that power plant? Well, we we will have the. We'll, Haas would have the data from from the car running, so you'd have all your data. But crossover, um, you know, we didn't see any of their data. They didn't see any of ours. If there was a problem that was related to safety, maybe they'd start looking at it and say, you know, why is the problem here? Maybe we should have a look into it. That, but there was no crossover um, at all. Good answer. Huh. Yeah. Ooh, this yeah. is fascinating. We got a lot more of this. So uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Call it, too. <laughs> yeah, we got a caller. Hang on the line, Andy. Uh, we'll get to you here in a minute. And uh, if you want to call, 512 643 5483. Back after these messages.
When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. You've heard it all before. Save your hard-earned money for a rainy day. But what if you had an extra $1,000 laying around to buy that irresistible infomercial product you came across at 2 a.m.? Well, I am running a little low on flex glue. It's the Big Cash Bribe on Talk 1370. I also need a shake weight, Snuggie. Don't forget some pet eggs. Listen every hour weekdays between 9 and 5 for your chance to win $1,000 with Talk 1370. This is a national contest. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. That is Cool in the Gang, who you can hear on it's Sunday. Not even Sunday night, actually. It's right after the race. Sounds like less than an hour after and the race. And qualifying is also later than you would expect, four o'clock. Yep. And which the is race. Good thing. And the race is at a different time this year in Austin. It's always been at two o'clock. It's at yep. one o'clock. There I bet go. that helps the Formula One teams to have four hours after qualifying to sort themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, that's so. Hey, we have a caller on the line. We got one of our regulars. We got Andy P. Andy, how's it going, buddy? Good afternoon, guys. It is Coda Week. Who's excited? Oh, oh my gosh. yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we need it. We need a wheel man at McLaren. Are you there? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, was that the grid kids on pit? If, if if the tire goes on, and you know, I'll show the light green, but the tire's going to be on first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I think we put the grid kids in on tire management this time. What'd you think, Andy P? You know, it's kind of a, a strange end to the race. It had all the elements that you would think would lead to a really, you know, grandstand finish. And it just kind of shows what the problem is with this arrow, you know, doesn't it? Because I mean, it just, they just couldn't follow close enough to make any moves there at the end. And it just, the Ferrari's not being able to capitalize on what is obviously the, the fastest car just continues to confuse. Yeah, and maybe, uh, you know, they kept talking about the, the uniqueness of the arrow in Mexico. Maybe that was part of it. And, of course, we have Dave O'Neill, former team manager, Haas F1. What do you think about that, Andy's comment there? Yeah, it, it's frustrating for, for um, someone sitting there watching it. Um, and, again, the race is pulled apart after afterwards which with all the engineers to find out what's um where it went what the problems were what temperature it was when the sun was covering uh, the you know <laughs> being covered by the clouds etc but the um yeah it, i agree with you andy um it looked like it was going to be a, a fan, fantastic dust up at the end and um 
there, there was nothing to be seen, um, <laughs> unfortunately, from that bit. Uh, but I'd, I'd say um, the guy that did impress through the race was definitely um, Albon. He, yeah. he put on a, a fantastic show. Um, and the others, the others sort of positions were pretty status quo. What else, Andy? Any uh, any other thoughts from the race? Uh, you know, other than just it, it just seemed you know my poor team didn't get any points today. You know, the, the hard tire really seemed to to completely stump um, at least the McLaren team, maybe a couple others. Um, it, just kind of a, a strange day all the way around. Obviously, the pit stop thing didn't help them. Um, no, I don't really have anything else really on my notes about this race. My, my question, I have two questions, actually. Um, for One for your special guest. Um, obviously, we've watched the, the Haas car struggle in the second half of this season. And, and my question is, how soon do you really know um, that there's a fundamental flaw, and and what are the initial steps that you guys would take to try to rectify it? Is it just arrow bits for this year, or do you just throw anything in the everything in the next year's car? I think that you know that's the that's a good question. The, the what you'd have to start looking at is um, you know winter testing. Um, you get uh, an awful lot of data from that point, um, but I think they've they've um, managed to find out where the the sort of the major part of the the damage has come from, which is um, looks like the uh, the cooling package. Um, so I don't know. The easiest way to describe it is if they um, if they have the two holes in the side of the the cockpit where the uh, the air gets rammed in to cool all the all the radiators in there. There's probably twelve or thirteen radiators in there. The bigger the hole, um, you know, the less downforce you're putting on the car, i.e., pushing it into the ground. Um, and this is where the bigger teams have the money to develop and find out quicker um, and also have the smaller hole, therefore putting more uh, more aero on the car. So I think probably after Silverstone, um, you know, they they probably um, worked out that that, that was the, um, the Achilles heel on the car. And then from that point, you have two decisions to make. One of them would be you carry on trying to fix the car, um, you know, damage limitation, or you start moving into to next year's development, and um, I think what they they probably did was take um, a bit of both. Really, they didn't want to let the the year go by without trying to do anything or or finding um, a solution to it. And of course, the further the further apart you get, for example, like Williams to the front, they had to keep developing through the year, even though they had this car that was um, that was. Um, you know, two or three, probably three and a half seconds off the pace. So um, you can't give up. You have to keep on going um, and you have to try and reduce the gap. You know, two seconds is a lot of time in Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do that over 71 laps, you know, all of a sudden you get your, that's where you get your deficit from. So uh, in answer to your question, Andy, um, I think they, they didn't give up. They carried on trying to find out what um, what the problem was, which they did. Um, by the sounds of it, it was the the cooling package, and then um, they started on next year's car and trying to work out where where the datum was to start for the cooling um, on that side, um, which which of course covers all sorts of areas, not just the intake to the engine oil and water cooling. It's um, also the brake ducts um, and where you throw the the air up from the front wing um, is where the major problem starts, which I think Williams have. Um, have nailed this year and, and, and 
put it down to the front wing. But yeah, you've got the front wing that takes that takes it first, um, throws it over the rest of the part of the car into the cooling. And then this year, um, ever so more uh, more complicated where the driver sits just outside there where the barge boards are. There's probably, you know, 50, 60 flick ups either side um, and turning vanes which are directing the air um, down the bottom of the floor and also into the um, the cooling ducts. So that part of the car is very, very complicated. Um, and as previous races have, have um, they've spoken about, has been side winds, head winds. That's another parameter which, um, you know, you can't really get too much in a wind tunnel is you're just having air force forward. Um, so as soon as you get gusty winds, again, that takes the cooling out of the, the system. Um, and today, um, they all thought that the, the mediums and, and the mediums might do the job, but I think the temperature wasn't there today to, mm. to get the track temperature to where they wanted it to make the, uh, the mediums work. Mm. Well, thanks a lot, Andy. You got another question. Oh, yeah, you had another question? Um, my other question would be, you know, obviously next week we're going to see our first real draft of the 2021 regs. And as we go into that, my, my question, um, again, for your guest would be, what are your thought, thoughts on what you've seen thus far? And, you know, would, would a team, do you think a team like Haas, obviously new regs create opportunity. Do you think that there's an opportunity to seize on something that maybe some other teams may not see? For sure, yeah. I mean, you're you're looking for the advantage all the time. Um, but we were we were discussing before the show, you know, about the uh, the budgets and um, where where the advantages come, and the year now between now and when they they come into force, um, the bigger teams will just be spending lots more money to try and gain the um, gain the gap for 2021. So it's almost as if um, you know you want to stop racing today um, and then put. Keep, keep everyone out of their factories and then let them go in all at the same time with the same amount of money to spend. So I think you, I personally think you'll probably see a similar sort of gap after the, um, the, the budget cap's been put in and the rules have been changed purely because the others have been gearing it up for not just when, you know, the media has started talking about it, but from, you know, when they've been seriously talking about it from a year in advance uh, before. So it's a good point. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Andy, thanks, buddy. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Yeah. What do you? When are you coming in? Uh, I'm flying in Wednesday uh, morning. Excellent. So I should land right around noon time. So you guys have given me a very interesting decision <laughs> as to which event to go. To. Bring you, bring your helmet and gloves. Come to the esports, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's two uh, good I ones. I had one more, one more question. Will they have? copy of will's book at the signing or no yes they do yes they yes, do they do okay yeah and there in fact go. i believe you might be able to go online and pay for it and pick it up that evening or probably best to call speak to steven uh at that location see if you can work it out that way i'm sure they can work something out they had a stack of them sitting there yeah pay attention to timing maybe we make it easy for you to go to both of them maybe not Maybe hey, have that car will travel. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, there you, know, you if, go. If, if, if you guys can, you know, give me some some tips on what routes to take, maybe. I can oh yeah, man, that. we can just, do that. Just hit us up on Twitter. Oh yeah, you got it. Oh, yeah, we'll do, guys. All right, yeah, thanks, safe, Andy. Bud. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, yep. Andy. Hey, speaking of Twitter, we got another question for you, uh, Dave. It's Paul Bryan. He says, um, "Is a driver ever obligated to reflect a corporate philosophy in public comments, a la 
Hamilton this week weighing in on electric vehicles, global environmentalism. Paul says his comments were hypocrisy. He can't eat the goose he flew to the party. Where he <laughs> says Raikkonen's comments were was, was responsible was correct. Yeah, I mean the the each of the drivers are sat down and you know um, you try and keep away from politics and religion, etc. So um, I mean Lewis has started up his new veggie chain burger restaurant in in London, I think. So um, I guess he's doing as much as he can to to publicise that. Do you think he sold his private jet to fund the? <laughs> uh, rumor has it he has liquidated quite a bit of equipment. I just saw this morning that uh, he has has already gotten rid of several vehicles, and you know I don't know if one of them is his giant red jet, but no, I think he did sell that. I wouldn't doubt. Yeah, it. I think he did. I was just joking that he sold it to fund the yeah. the uh, vegan the vegan food it's, adventure. Now, now I think the next thing, if he doesn't talk about scream hypocrisy, go to Formula E. Oh, oh, wow. How's that? Yeah. No, don't do that. Or is he really? Ah! No! <laughs> you knew it was coming. Ah! You'd have to set him up, didn't you? <laughs> you Never again, was, Casey. You, you knew it was coming. I, I always think of the it's dentist. Like a cat scratching a Yeah, I think of the dentist, but uh, yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, in all seriousness, do you think he would take this decision so hard as to go to Formula E after this championship? I don't think so. I mean, he's he's currently setting up new businesses and, you know, he's in the clothing line, the food, and I don't know, probably have a load of car dealerships soon or whatever. But the um, I think that's what he's doing. He's a, he's a guy that needs to be um, busy all the time. So once he, he does retire, when it is, you know, maybe two years. Well, time, I know he's already said he's going to get some of the fully 100% electric Mercedes. I'm sure they'll give him one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, give him one. All right, hey, let's take a take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussions and talk a lot a more about the United States Grand Prix here in Austin next week. Back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. You can take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Jay Leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Speed City. No one can say it like Speed City. I know. That was when Jay was here in Austin doing a McLaren event out at Coda. That's right. A couple of years ago. That's a great show he's got going. Yeah. Oh, I love the diversity of it. I mean, it's like just the themes are always fun. Well, which ones? I like the YouTube show better. I like Jay Leno's YouTube show much better than the... I like to see NBC one because my wife will watch that one. It's kind of more mainstream. But yeah. the YouTube one, it's the every technology. Monday. Every Monday at about midnight, it hits our time. And he just goes into whatever car, whether it's, you know... Or uh, bike. Or bike, yeah. He definitely does a lot of bikes, whether it is a 1908 car that runs on steam that he's got in his garage or whether it's or you know or whether it's the, the latest you know mclaren ferrari whatever so well he took laps out here with uh kevin schwantz on the new suzuki what two years ago now i guess you know it's battling for me for my favorite car show other than this one okay. uh with seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee i know y'all have a hard time believing that but no well, i don't believe that well no that's just because of the seinfeld <laughs> content for you i mean i, I know I jerry's get, jerry's your middle name yeah i get four <laughs> minutes of content out of his 30 minute podcast yeah hey i want to talk about the attendance today i saw it was three hundred and forty-five thousand. i looked up so last year there were the largest wow the largest were i was right great britain last year was 340 so this is bigger than any of them last year and you know what on that i was just thinking about you know why well mexico has tacos that too <laughs> britain also, does not it also has checo um but wasn't it fascinating to see the crowd roar for Perez yeah. every time he did oh, anything yeah. and doesn't that just show you something and I'm interested on Dave's opinion on this doesn't that just show you if we could get an American oh my gosh can you imagine what that would do for the Austin event and what it would do for Formula One in this country uh you know I I, I don't know uh Dave, I mean, there's talent out there. I mean, look what Colton Hurt has done this year. Patricio Award, I mentioned, uh, really? down the road in San Antonio. You know, there's a lot of young talent out there from America. Santino Ferrucci. Yep. Um, it's disappointing. I think the, um, you know, there's there's some sort of barrier there. You, you've got such a good racing system over here that once you get into the system, there's, you know, effectively not much reason to leave you know once you get to indie cars or a decent sports car level so but i i personally would like to be involved in in trying to help um some young kids come through and mm. you know get them over the pond and, and i mean teach them what's required think about think of how you know it, it hasn't if correct me if i'm wrong you two guys have been involved in the sport for decades and decades but isn't formula 1 always 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 coveted that united states market because of the 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 marketing that you can do with it, the car manufacturing. But think of what that would do for a driver if it was an American driver who made this happen. I mean, you'd go down in history as, you know, bringing the sport to finally bring it to a level beyond a niche in the United States. And we have all the ingredients now with Liberty Media owning it, with Coda, with potentially more races. A driver could make a massive impact and just – make you know it would be a phenomenal crazy story 
Yep, and I think there's room. You know, there's room there, and if there isn't, um, there's also funds to put another team together and yep. get going. Even um, better. Wow. So, yeah. The, I mean, the, there's people here. If you do the stats, you know, and also the the apparatus people have got to um, to get going in. Certainly in in um, in Austin, you've got the new kart circuit up at Cota. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the junior formulas that are quite accessible too. Um, no. How how old do you think you need to be if you were? Let's just say, let's just theoretically say, okay, we got a, we got our own Formula One team, Team Speed City. Um, but you know, um, and uh, we decide we're going to go racing. How, how where what age group would you be looking at? I think you got to look um, between eight eight and ten. Um, really, realistically, yeah. Um, also, you know, some of the some of the guys and girls are going to develop a little a little bit later. Sure. But you know, you've got the other tools which you can which you can use, you know, the karting, the simulators now, um, mm. and also finding out whether, you know, whether they're going to be the right size. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the point. other thing. They have to be <laughs> the they're right They're six foot four. They're... They, got, they can't fit. Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, Graham Rahal is, is probably six two, I think, six three, and he's the biggest guy on the Indy grid. And it just amazes me when I see him standing amongst the other IndyCar drivers, especially if he gets anywhere near Santino. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a huge disparity there. I don't know of anybody else that American that has had the success or gets the recognition of Mario Andretti. Yet Andretti only won one IndyCar. He only won one championship uh, for Formula One. And yet we've got a lot of other Americans that have done, that have raced both, haven't won the Formula One championship. But what makes it different for Andretti what makes it different, and, and I'm thinking before he had kids in this series as well. What does an American have to do to replicate Andretti's mm. start? I mean, I, I think we're talking completely different era. You know, he he yeah. was in the JPS Lotus, or whatever. But the um, and also for what he did to fly over the pond, whenever it was thirty mm-hmm. thirty five years, forty years ago, was a big. You know, that was a big deal to do, um, but. I think, you know, it's just like anyone, whether they're playing soccer or football or cricket or rugby, you, you also have to have the kid to have the passion and the drive and wanted to do it, you know, not just yeah. the father or the mother pushing them pushing them into it. Um and maybe Mario had that and he, he was he was the character with it. Um but I I, th- I think there's um you know, there's definitely room for them and there's there's definitely enough people in this country to find, you know, four or five, ten sort of Decent, decent right. F one drivers. I mean, if you cut the grid in half now, you know there's there's probably thirty percent that don't deserve to be there. They're probably there on mm-hmm. money alone. Right. So yeah. if we could bring a bit of talent here from the right. states over, um, the money would follow deserve. that. I guarantee you, uh, Dave. I've got one in mind. All right, Young well, teenager, hey, well, Danny I, Sufi. You're going to go meet just Danny. Wanna, yeah, and I just want to say, uh, watch this space. You know, Santino Ferrucci. That close. Uh, he was part yep. of Haas. Could have gone right. on. And look what he's doing in Indy. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Rossi. Rossi, had he been given a, a decent drive, and look what he's doing now. Logan Sargent, uh, Juan Manuel Correa, let's hope he gets well. But, you know, up yep. at the top, Ryan Tavita there too, Cameron Das. These are names that you may not have heard of, but they are racing in Europe now, and they are teenagers that have been racing in Europe for quite some time now. Yep. 
All right, guys, I want, we just got a little bit of time left. I want to play a clip. We also had a chance to interview Nicholas Latifi. Well, who, who absolutely, that's perfect. He's yeah. a good segue. to come to Austin. Yeah, so he, in fact, let's, we're going to play a little clip about coming to Austin. This is Nicholas Latifi. Yeah, it's definitely something really cool, and it's, uh, you know, something that comes with, okay, with, with the profession that we've chosen. I mean, uh, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the other drivers would, would say the same. I mean, you try not to focus too much on uh, all the external stuff. And, uh, you know, definitely when you're driving, you don't want to be looking into the crowd uh, unless you're on a cool down lap or something like that. No, but it's, uh, you know, it is really cool when, when there's a lot of uh, uh, fan attendance. You know, you definitely feel that extra uh, energy, the atmosphere, especially when they're, you know, really embracing the Grand Prix. I mean, I've had that. That's, you know, you've seen that a few different Grand Prix. I mean, um, me personally, obviously, when I got the chance to drive at my home Grand Prix in the F1 in Canada, uh, that was something really special. So, uh, yeah, always having a big, uh, a big crowd attendance is definitely a, a very nice touch. <laughs> and Nicholas, just for those that maybe are still, you know, don't watch GP2, um, but you know, or always interested when they see somebody else's name on on the board, um, tell us a little bit about how you got into motor racing. I, I know your father's a keen, a keen uh, person in it and a, and a big investor in it too, but. But how did you first get into understanding that you wanted to do this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I had quite an unconventional path into, into racing in general. Uh, I mean, I, I only started racing in karts at the age of 13, uh, so very, very late uh, compared to you know, a lot of the, the, the guys in Formula 1 and even other junior categories at start. At the extreme end, they start at 4 years old, and anywhere between 4 and 8 years old, that day is, is quite common. Uh, so very late start for me, and that was... Mainly because, I mean, I didn't come from a, a motor racing family. Uh, you know, my dad never raced or uh, tried to push me into it. I, I really just stumbled upon karting by fluke uh, one time. Uh, just kind of like a ride and drive rental karting. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, and yeah, I, I started to go to this indoor place back home in uh, in Toronto. Uh, yeah, Jonathan, talk about him. He's from yeah, Canada. He's, he's going to be Canada, racing on yep. Friday. He did the Toyota Racing Series in 2013, was ninth, and now he's literally knocking on the door. He's expected to be the Williams driver to replace Kubica uh, next year, along with George Russell, who he raced with uh, in uh, F2. Um, I don't know, but, you know, he's another guy. I mean, he just, you know, it's interesting what Dave was saying about 8 to 10. He started very late and then confirmed that actually you should have been kind of racing between yeah. 4 and 8 uh, to get there. What are, you but, doing? what are you doing wasting your time between 8 and 13, <laughs> just sitting around watching TV? Yeah, come on, Dad, get your hand in your pocket. But he will be racing <laughs> He will be racing on Friday as he was in Mexico this weekend uh, here in Austin. His mum and dad are coming, really looking for, you know, another guy to look out for. All right, well, we are out of time. Make sure that you follow us on social media because we have a lot going on between now and next Sunday. We want to thank our guest, David O'Neill, former team manager for Haas F1. Thank you, David. It's fantastic. We can't tell you how, how great it was to have you on the show. I hope you'll come back, and uh, we'll stay in touch. But unless you had something else? No, no, that's that's it. Definitely uh, check out our Wednesday events yep. down on West 6th Street, and North Austin Easy Mark is up near the domain. Not yep. in the domain, We're but We're launching a new, a new website this week. Hopefully it, it launches, and, and we may not, but follow our social, uh, you know, Speedcaster on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. We keep all of our uh, everything up to date on there, too. So, Oh, and all the interviews with Kevin Magnuson, Roman Grosjean, Miltiki, yeah, the Russell. Versions will be out. All those will be, we'll put them out on uh, social media, on SoundCloud and stuff. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks Ciao, for y'all. having me. Happy trails. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.